Welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. Twenty-second day of the fast. Hope everybody enjoyed it. We had a, and I'll tell you, I, I feel like we uh, really broke it well today. Roxanne, we got to go, Roxanne and Steve, to the Village Baker, which is if you haven't been to the Village Baker for their brunch, it is fantastic. Some of you folks who like shrimp, I don't know who y'all are, but people say that the shrimp and grits are really good. Okay, they didn't look that good to me, but everybody did. It was awesome. Okay, but I did eat about 17 pastries. Okay, which makes it seem even more when they're cut in fourths. Okay, so that's approximately like I ate 70 of those things practically. So, whew, it was good. My gratitude, I don't know about you, when we break these things, you know, I just am grateful for all that God has given us. You know, all joking aside, I think that when we're able to sit back and go, man, this is really great. And I'm so grateful for the good things that God gives us to enjoy and to celebrate together. So, hopefully, it's been great for you uh, today, uh, breaking your fast. And, um, and maybe there's just a few things that you're going to keep doing. I, my, I, yes. You know, I always hope for that. Is that it's, uh, you know, that uh, if the 21 days was great, that's fantastic. But also don't um, discount the idea that God very well may be going, this should go completely. This thing should be gone all the way. And, uh, you know, I know you're thinking I'm just thinking about social media, and I am, okay? But, uh, but there may be other things as well. Uh, but I do know that was one of the kind of my own anthem for many years was, this is so great. Um, why do I keep going back to it after 21 days? It was so great. And, uh, and then I realized, man, God is really telling me something. Is like, Keith, listen to yourself. It is great. Stay off. Okay, that's not my edict that you have to stay off if, if that's not your thing. But um, I do think there's a lot of us in here that social media and entertainment and leisure has completely taken over our lives. And just maybe hearing God going, that's enough. Like I showed you for 21 days, the goodness of this thing. Right. And so just being aware, being open to that. would like to read a note from Miss Linda B., uh, and she says, uh, to my church family, I'd like to say thank you so much for the kindness you have shown me during my recent surgery. The prayers are sincerely appreciated. And oh my goodness, I can't say this and you not hear Linda B's voice. Okay, so just imagine you're hearing Linda B's voice. She said, oh my goodness, the abundance of tasty food that has made its way to my door in the past two weeks has been mind-blowing. Special thanks to Roxanne and Steve and Lillian for the rides. If you ever need to be fed, okay, get your note paper out to write this down. If you ever need to be fed, you can count on Mary Lynn, Mike, Alfredo, Roy, Roxanne, Steve, Lily and Sue, Sarah, Bobby, 
who called because she just got called into work, and if I left anybody out, she said she had brain fog. She's sorry. <laughs> uh, if I can do anything for anyone here, please let me know. And uh, man, Linda B., I hope you know you are loved, 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 man. And, and we're so glad that you're feeling better. And these just are really fun notes to read because you just get an idea. I mean, there may, you may have gone like, wow, I didn't realize all these things are going on. That's a really neat thing. So, um, so again, uh, we're glad you're feeling a lot better, and I'm grateful to be a part of this church family. Uh, turn over in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. All right, before we read here, let's go ahead and pray. Uh, Father, we open your word. We are thankful. Uh, we pray for eyes that see and, and God ears to hear. We pray to be like the man who built his house on a on the rock, Father. That's who we want to be that way. We want to love you so desperately and so deeply, Father. We want to trust you. We do trust you. We want to learn how to trust you further. Uh, we want to trust you in every word that you say, Father, that when we're not sure that we even understand, we we follow you. We follow you knowing that you are our perfect shepherd and Father, you are amongst us. You are here right now. Uh, you know everything about us, our thoughts, our ideas, our future plans, where we've come from. Father, thank you. That's so comforting to know. Uh, we ask for soft hearts. We ask, God, please speak to us, uh, that we would be different people, that we truly could go into our community uh, and, and, and just share your word, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so Matthew 6, we've been going through this. The Lord's commonly understood as the Lord's Prayer, probably one of the most um, uh, well-known sections of Scripture uh, uh, across the board of people that have gone to church or played on a sports team or something like that, right? I mean, this is the prayer, and we've been breaking it down, and here's, here's my hope with this and the reason that we're starting the year out this way um, is that this is... We truly pray the way Jesus has taught us to pray. And I hope that it's come across in a way that Jesus isn't teaching us to just recite the words over and over again. But then this is kind of like the pool we jump into. And just there's so much to it. There's so much to every part of this. And it really draws our heart out. And that's my prayers. And this becomes something that is it really becomes kind of a framework for our entire day of prayer. Right. And so there we go. Um, something that, again, just as we're, you know, we're finishing this up, but again, we're not done with this. But I want to just call into just some some uh, just so this is on the front end of your mind. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer of both desire and dependence. That's what's so important about this. That's what's so extraordinary about this is the way Jesus was able to say here succinctly, 
this is how you should pray, and, and to give us something that was so rich and so deep, but it's drawing our heart out of our desire and our dependence, okay? Like these two things are being brought out. And so as we've read before, um, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. What I found is as we, or as I have allowed that to just go through my mind, your name be honored as holy. There's something very interesting that happens is that my mind begins to start connecting what I'm doing with that thought. Okay, this isn't just a one-time thing. This is over, God, this is what we want. This is, as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, I want your name to be honored as holy, as perfect, as unique. Not just lumped in. I shared this last week and it just, it, it bothers me because I feel like the Jesus that has been fully accepted in our world is it, it, a false Jesus. Okay? And, and, and you know, it, it's, it's a Jesus who really doesn't have the power to do much of anything. And it's a Jesus who is okay with us doing whatever we want. Right. That, that's our world. Is the, and, and, and there's a side of it that bothers me. I don't know if I feel sometimes like I want to just lash out in anger or just cry. Okay? Because it's one of those things where I'm like, when did we start saying that Jesus was okay with his followers being unholy? Like, when do we say, no, that, listen, that's okay. Let me speak for Jesus. It's okay to live that way. Right. Man, that bothers me. And it doesn't bother me because I'm a minister or a preacher or an evangelist. But that's my father. Yeah. See, that's my father. And I'm like, I don't want people portraying my father as someone who he's not. Okay, and that's part of this idea, even of faith. Okay, there's this really interesting aspect of that word that actually means loyalty. And when I'm faithful to my father, I'm loyal to my father. Right. Above everything else. And so when we're praying this, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come, your will be done the way you want it done. We want it done the same way here. And that requires, here's the thing, I want that, that's a prayer of desire, but that's also us entering into a place of being corrected. Yeah. Of being, of, of, and I know no one here, there isn't a soul that likes to be corrected. All right, we just kind of go in and, and he, this is what can be strange about church culture, is in, in a group we can go, yeah, I don't like that, but I see that we're entering into a place where I'm going to need some correction from Jesus, from the word, from spirit-filled brothers and sisters. And then at the same time, it's very easy for us to go, but y'all better not correct me. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do it. All right? Don't embarrass me. Don't make me think I don't know everything. Right? Except this is what Jesus said. No, enter into this. My kingdom come. And, and I can't tell you the number of times that there's needed to be correction in the way I view things, the way I say things, the way I live. They go, Keith, that's not kingdom-minded. And to go, your kingdom come, that what that means is for me to go, yes, I'm wrong. I'm praying for your kingdom to come. And God, thank you for your correction to me. Thank you for that. We all aren't just, I know it's so easy to do, but we all aren't just like we've been zapped with all the knowledge of the kingdom, 
right? And so we're praying this, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today, we get into that dependence of, I just can't, God, there is bread you have that I need. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna do this day, if I'm gonna do this day, and I'm gonna be of any use to you, feed me your bread, the bread that will never go hungry, that will never thirst, will never like you yourself today, please, Father. Right? And again, we looked into that of all of this great allusion to even the manna in the desert and the 40 years, like this amazing way that God took care of his people, right? And we talked last week about forgiving us as we have forgiven others. And again, we you know, there's only so much you can do with a lesson. So much of all of these things is us just the, our boots on the ground. And failing and getting up and doing well and learning from one another. And so the, the goal isn't necessarily a perfect performance, but it's the idea of, man, hopefully this week there's been a direction towards forgiveness and a direction. And, and it may have been very frustrating and it may have been really like, golly, this is really hard because I feel like I'm trying to forgive somebody that I don't want to forgive. And here's what I would say to that. That's what the battle looks like. That's what Christian, that's the battle is I am putting my head into this. And you want to know what? Man, it's just, I don't know. I'm wrestling me. I'm wrestling the word. I'm wrestling all these things. And God going, but man, stick with this. Because here's the thing. It's kind of like we have to have some of this junk just kind of like torn away from us. Right? And that's a good thing. Okay, the one thing the fast, hopefully I've heard from a number of people and I really love it, is the fast showing us that discomfort isn't a bad place to be. Right. Alright? Being uncomfortable, having some pain, any of those, those are those don't equal bad. Those don't equal, it's going, okay. Right? Tony will tell you in physical therapy, right? I know you were, th- I think you were thinking this because I looked over and I was like, yeah, is there's this idea of there's, there's pain that you don't want and then there's pain as many physical therapists enjoy to give to people, which is you have to go through this to get better, right? There's times you have to bend your knee and you don't want to bend your knee, right? There's a time and, and, and you think that this person is the worst person in the world and they're going, but then you understand what you're going through is good, okay? And there's a recalibration of ourselves as Christians to even look at that. And then we get to this last part, and, and my hope is, and, and again, let me just go ahead and be the first person to say it. This was, and is, the most confusing one to me. Okay, and, and I'll explain why. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. All right? Jesus has told us, guys, he got to the bottom. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I don't know if there's any verses that come to your mind or any question marks that pop up when you read that. Hold on a minute. Some versions say, and don't lead us into temptation. So I want you to think about that, of praying to Jesus. Jesus, please don't lead me into temptation. Hmm. I agree, Stefan. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm thinking like, wow, what is this about? Okay. And, and again, let me just kind of share with you. Those are the this is the fun part of like studying the Bible. Is going, man, what is that all about? 
right? What does that all mean? Because in James chapter one, no one is undergoing a trial that he should be saying, I've been tempted by, I'm being tempted by God for God's not tempted by evil and he doesn't tempt anyone. Okay. And, and I'm just here to tell you that's as true as the other verse. Okay. This is a good thing. This is really, really great because we have to begin going, hold on a minute. What did they hear in their time? And what do we hear in our time? What did they hear and what did it mean to them? Okay. And specifically, what did it mean to them slash the guys who are Jewish guys? And it meant something, and I think it's going to be helpful for us. But it's I, it just kind of like, it, it, it caused me some conflict a little bit. Lead me not in temptation. Lead us not in temptation. James is saying, but God's not going to take you in the tent. I'm going, hold on a minute. What should I pray? I really respect James, but Jesus is saying this. And what am I supposed to do? And again, we're left with this. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so there you go. All the, I know we love it. Uh, Greek and Hebrew. If you can't write down the word on the left, it's the word on the right. Or if you just want to hear the English word, okay? It's one of two things. The word is either a testing or a temptation, depending on the context. It's important to understand the difference between the two. All right? A testing assumes that you'll pass. A tempting is meant for you to fail. All right? Those are two things coming from the same word. And so what we're taught is, depending on the context, is the word. So many, many, many people will skew the context of the Lord's Prayer to more of a testing than a tempting. But still, there's still something about that that I'm like, don't lead me to testing? This is what I thought. Isn't it good to be tested? Isn't that a good thing? And Jesus, why are you telling me to not? Why are you telling me to, to not this? Okay? Uh, here it is. James 1, 2. Didn't see it back there. Consider a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. This is good stuff. And again, here's James. Potentially the brother of Jesus. Was just this sibling rivalry here? <laughs> you know? Is it these two? Or is it... But you see James, he's going, there's something good though. Testing is good. You're meant to pass the test, but it's good. It brings good things, okay? But here's the interesting thing. I want to share this with you because this is something that um, to... Uh, to a Jewish person in the first century, this would be a prayer they would pray almost every day, every morning. And in fact, I bring this up is because this prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer is very, very, very similar to many of the daily prayers that the Jews would pray every single day, which would make sense, okay? Except Jesus condensed them to a standpoint of what it means to follow Him, but this would be what they were used to hearing, okay? And this is what would be, they would be used to praying. Don't let us be overcome by sin, disobedience, iniquity, not by trials, not by disgrace, and don't let the evil inclination rule us, distance us from harmful people and harmful friends, rescue me today and every day from my evil inclination, from an evil friend, from an evil neighbor, from an evil incident, and from the destructive adversary, okay? There's a number of prayers that are amazingly long, actually, okay? And when you read it, you go, oh, I see so much in this, 
of what Jesus told his guys to pray every single day, right? Like there was this normalcy. So to, to a Jewish hearer, this concept isn't necessarily as like conflicting as it was in my own mind and maybe in your own mind as well, okay? They were used to this idea of, no, you talk to God about the temptations and the trials and the testing and all of these different things. And so... You take a little bit, maybe just a little bit of a deep breath there. But as we kind of dig this out a little more, okay, lead us not into temptation, okay? Is this isn't even uncommon in the scriptures in Jesus' time. Matthew 26, do you remember Jesus? He says, uh, he, he, he asked God, please don't make me go through with this. Don't make me go through with this. And then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. He said, Peter... Could you stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. Right? This was, again, these are just normal conversations he's having, but there's this idea that's planted in their minds, and that word temptation, and the second word we're going to see is the same exact word in Matthew chapter 6, same word, same usage, tempting or testing. Okay? But he's like, pray so you won't enter into that. All right? Matthew 4.1, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted slash tested by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Why do I put that up there? I think sometimes we have kind of can have this strange idea of reading the Bible. And if we don't bring our, ourselves back to the idea, these guys were pretty, they were pretty okay hearing about these things of not to be led into temptation. And the temptation, even Jesus, when he's tempted and tested, is like, please don't make me go through this. Right? And, and, there, and there's just kind of a normalcy about that, okay? And so lead us not in temptation um, is essentially this, is a, a plea and an admission to our human frailty. Please, Father, if there's anything, whatever your will is, whatever, I don't know what it is. If I Please don't lead me to a cup I can't drink. Please, Father, please don't. I don't want to. I know sometimes it can be really easy in Christianity to be brazen and go, come on, bring it on. Don't. Don't. If there's any part of us as human beings, any part of us that thinks we can stand up and go, Satan, come on, bring it. Okay, don't. All right. It's not, there's nothing remotely like wise about that. But there's this idea of going, there's this world we live in. Father, my, here's my request, right? Which we're told oftentimes, give your request to God. Please don't put me into a place of testing. I don't want that. But it's good. It'll produce endurance. Okay. I, please don't bring me into that. Okay. I'm frail. I'm frail. Man, this is, this is dangerous, okay? Do not lead me or lead us into temptation. Alexander Pope said this. Fools rush in where angels fear to tread, okay? Sometimes, here's the thing about this, is without even thinking about testing and temptation as Christians, we can rush into something that, you want to know what? The entirety of the host of Jesus' armies could be going. Shouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have gone in there. I wouldn't have done that. Man, of praying this. And again, here's the idea. When we pray it one time, it can kind of like deflect off our brain, right? It's a ding, 
and okay, we talk about it for a little bit, but when it's over and over and over again, we start getting an understanding when we, when we put it together with the world we live in of going, man, this makes so much sense because this puts me again in a place of desire and dependence is, Father, I need you. I need you to forgive me. I need you for my daily bread, and I need you to please do not lead us into a time of testing, severe testing. And most likely, think about this as Jesus taught this, okay? Is remember, not long before this, he had just spent 40 days in battle with Satan. And come on, man, listen. If any of us think that was easy, because it looks like as we read through our Gospels, he kind of skied on through it, Okay? Man, we've got to spend some time looking at that. Because here's the thing. Even Jesus said, man, you don't want that. Okay. Sometimes this doesn't sound right to our ears. Really? Is he asking me to do that? In fact, the interesting thing is the Catholic Church actually has had such a hard time with this. The Pope came out last year and changed it. To make it sound better to our ear, okay, is is to change it to say something, oh, that makes more sense the way he's saying it. Except, listen, you can cut this pie any way you want when you go back to the original languages, okay, is this is what it says, (laughs) It just is. It just is. And again, the beauty of Jesus' teachings is, hey, come on into my teachings and sit here for a while. Come on in and get an idea of what I'm talking about. Because again, he's not talking to people who will just stay in a place praying this prayer. He's talking to a people that he's going, now go out. Okay? And go out and start mixing it up in the world. All right? And we very well may be finding ourselves praying, please do not lead me into testing. Okay, but deliver us from the evil one, okay? And so again, here we go. He says, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Alright? You kind of hear that kind of little little shift there of like this idea of I know we're going to do, have to go through it. I know we're going to face it. I know we're not getting out of this life without abundant testing. Please deliver us from evil. Please deliver us. Please deliver us from evil. Turn over to Ephesians Ephesians 6.10. And so here's the great thing about this. Um, And uh, it's a question that's very helpful for me as I study scripture is the Lord's prayer is not only this amazing, amazing, amazing kind of petition of of expressing desire and need and having dependence on God and humility and all of these things. Um, It's not only that, but, but if we miss out on what it teaches us about the heart of Jesus, Sometimes we read scripture and we don't ask ourselves the question, what am I learning about who Jesus is? The guy that told me to pray this way, all right, there's something about this that I need to learn who this guy is. 
And when he's ending this short prayer up with this idea of, let me talk about testing and let me talk about evil. Let me talk about these things, okay? It actually wasn't the norm. It's not the norm for a Jewish prayer to end on something that's just kind of like negative. It's usually, and so, so, do y'all know what we inserted? Do y'all know what comes after this? All of your versions don't have this in Matthew 6. For thine kingdom power and glory not found in the text. <laughs> How'd they do that? How'd they do that? You mean somebody put that in there? Yeah, because it fell better. It's like we don't end prayers on deliver us from evils. We, we, we circle back and so we have that written in later texts but we don't have it in the early texts, okay? So you have this idea, deliver us from evil. And what it teaches me about my king is that he understands one of, he absolutely is trying to, to remind me and remind you and remind us. Um, when we talk about living in a world of evil, when we talk about living in a world that is dark and fallen, is this idea of never, 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 ever forget that there is a battle going on that means you do not see. And, and just as he wants us to pray every day, a dependence for daily bread and forgiveness every single day, do not be naive about the spiritual battle. Okay. And again, as we've said before, almost always it's not the overt thing. Okay, it isn't always the you know we, like we said right. Satan isn't always the guy in the red suit and the horns, and you go, oh man, or you watch a, a, a scary movie, and you're like, wow, that must be what Satan looks like. Except they describe Satan in the scripture as masquerading as an angel of light. Wow, how difficult is that? <laughs> wow, man, that is really amazing right there, and so. Uh, Paul writes this to the Ephesians and, and this is to me, if there's kind of like a breakout section here of deliver us from evil, like my mind immediately goes over to Ephesians 6, okay, as far as just being able to meditate and think about and apply to my life uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 okay finally be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Right? I, I love to be strengthened. Right? Stop fighting against God. And do all the stuff we want to do. And then be strengthened. Trust him. Like, trust what he's saying. Be strengthened by the Lord. Put on the full armor of God so you can stand against the tactics of the devil. All right, the, the tap. We were talking, some of my buddies this week, we were talking about growing up in a world where, like, for, for folks that are, you know, my age, 40s, 50s ish down, uh, we don't have the concept of what it means for a nation to be fighting in war. And, and trust me when I say it, I know we, I know we think, but what about the, the war in Iraq and the war against terror and all that? Generations prior that were formed through Great Depression, through, through World War II, through the Vietnam War, there's a different experience that the country experienced, okay? 
So the war on terror and the war in Iraq and all that kind of stuff, there isn't anybody of us that stopped doing something normal during the day because our country was at war. We didn't have less food. We didn't have less water. We didn't have to raise extra money. We didn't have to, almost, almost nobody had to be sent over to be in the front line, okay, as opposed to other places. The problem with that is war and warfare scriptures for us come from movies and video games, right? Is, you know, you have... You know, all of the John Wayne movies, you have Rambo, you have, you name them. Anybody else? I mean, there's so many. Uh, huh? Platoon, Hamburger Hill. I mean, how about this going? Wow. What's really fascinating, and I remember Rex telling me this a number of years ago, is he kind of pointed me towards, hey, I, I loved all of the Vietnam War-based movies. He said, go watch the documentary about that and go, there's nothing about that that's entertainment. <laughs> but we've glorified it. Mm-hmm. We've glorified it. We're like, man, I'll tell you what, you put me in there. Hey, you all know what? Says nobody who fought in Vietnam. Right. Okay? And so it's become romanticized. And it's become almost like this idea of, I can kind of understand it and I get it, but we don't. So when we hear things like the tactics of Satan, we're going... What does that mean? It means there's there's a, a force of evil that isn't just going to come up with a book and say, like, here I am, and this is me, now come with me. But there's a tactic. Hebrews chapter 3 says, encourage one another daily so that we won't be what? By Satan's deceitfulness, right? I mean, there's this idea of being deceitful. We're being, like, there's not a day probably where Satan hasn't tried to deceive us somehow. And he's saying, like, listen, here's what we need to do. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens, that's why you must take up the full armor of God, so that you can, so you're able to resist in the evil day. Right? Deliver us from evil. Boom, Ephesians six. Hey, there's Satan. He's a tactician. Man, he knows how can I get in there? How can I tempt with the right way? How can I use scripture? How can I? How can I do that? And as disciples, what we're supposed to do is go, we're aware of your schemes. They never changed. All right? The same thing that happened in the garden happened to Jesus. The same thing. Here's the thing is, Satan is a tactician. Satan is deceitful, but he isn't original. He keeps going back with the same things. Let me tempt you. Let me tempt you with with kind of like the lust of your eyes. Let me tempt you with power. And let me tempt you with all of the things that you want. Let me tempt you with these things. They can all be religious things. Churchy things. And for us to go, hold hold up. Alright. There's a really great thing that comes in my mind that it's taken me years and years and years. So I'm just going to teach this out out of not doing this well most times. Okay. It's the idea of there are so many times that things will come into my mind, spiritual things, religious things, ideas, something like that, that I'm just not sure of. 
And I've got to go, I'm going to need a second before I do anything with this. <laughs> okay, because Satan could, could spin me the same thing. Hey, Keith, go and do this. Hey, Keith, go and do that. Go and say this. Go on. Hold up a minute. All right? I, I'm not, like, I'm not dealing with people who are, like, on the operating table dying. We can take a little time to go, Satan's schemes. Let's take a second. Right, because I know he's a tactician and I know he uses the word of God. He says, this is why you put on the full armor of God. And he says, here's what you do. There's like this belt and that's truth. Sounds easy. Sounds easy, huh? But true. What that tells me is, is that there are going to be a lot of times in my day, week, and month that I have to ask myself, is this truth or isn't it truth? Okay. God has done a really cool thing, and he, he equipped our body to share emotion and feeling and all of those things. It's awesome. But here's the interesting thing is those same feelings can feel like truth. But I love this person. I love them. Okay. But what's the truth? They don't love Jesus. I love, but you don't understand. I can, I can do that. No, no, no. What's truth? Remember Pontius Pilate? What is truth? <laughs> it's the idea. So what this tells me is to put the belt on, me and you, we're probably going to have to be entering into our world. And I don't do this super well. This is something that is, is like growing in me, but it's something I'm very grateful for with my wife because she's really like there. Like, hey, is that truth or isn't it truth? And I wonder if that's a belt maybe we haven't put on regulars of asking, is what I'm saying and what I'm hearing truth or not? Right? He says, put the belt of truth around your waist. Righteousness, like armor on your chest. Righteousness, like right living and right relationships. Righteousness, that righteous actions aren't just something that we do. It's, he says, no, it's like a chest of armor. It's protective, right? Righteousness isn't just doing a religious thing. It's actually more an idea of having being righteous in our relationships with one another, how we treat one another, how we love one another, right? This is put that on your chest and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take the shield of faith. Like these are all those things that we can just kind of, okay, right? This is going down is the shield of faith up. My God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to trust. I'm going to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. These things are all like very simple. But they, they're, they're changing. What I love about the way Paul writes this, it changes the way we think through things. It, change, it allows us to stop for a second and go, this could be really overwhelming, but you want to know what I can do? It's like, is this truth what I'm hearing and feeling and deciding? Okay. Is there unrighteousness involved here? It's really hard to do what God is asking me to do and be unrighteous at the same time. Is there unrighteousness here? Right? Is there any kind of uh, any kind of unrighteousness? Is there any kind of um, you know lack of faith here? Am I struggling right now because I'm scared to step out and just go, I just trust you. 
That's one of my favorite things about David in the Psalms is going, we don't have to be afraid to go out and go, man, we may be cut down, but in the kingdom of God, we're safe. Right? And he says in this, in this sword of the spirit, which is God's word, and being able to use this and use it in how we're, how we're interacting with one another. But here's the other thing about this, is how we help others, like walk with this, okay? So, so that's the thing, deliver us from evil. If there truly is a battle waging every minute, every day, for us to be unaware or unconcerned would mean almost certain death. Right? If we lived in a war zone, anywhere on the planet, if we lived in a war zone and we either were unaware of the danger or unconcerned, that would almost certainly mean death. Right? And so what are we being called into? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's we're bringing this into our lives of this awareness and this concern that my king is telling me to be concerned about this. Like, come to me, and then, again, for me, I kind of have to have these little things that Ephesians 6 comes out, and it kind of puts some kind of form to that, to give me something to grab onto, to go, how would we as apprentices of Jesus, could you imagine Jesus teaching a lesson like this? Like, man, how's your faith, and how's your righteousness? And he's not telling us rules, but he's saying, no, I want you to have this armor, to live in this world, to help other people put this on as well. So this is where we started. This is it. A prayer of desire and a prayer of dependence. And just a few things to think about, okay? And these are just ideas to take with you to be praying, to be thinking through this, to be talking about in your prayer groups. And hopefully you guys have... As good a prayer group as we had this week, uh, man, I'll tell you what, I loved it. It was so fun and so exciting and so just refreshing. And I know a number of you guys, I don't know from everybody, but it sounds like they're really, really great. But here's just a few things. I'm aware of my frailty, weakness, and susceptibility to be drawn into sin, okay? Is am I? That's really the question. It's helping us kind of dig in. Am I really aware of it? Keith, am, Keith, are you aware? Like, if Jesus were, are you really aware of your frailty? <laughs> or do you think you still, hey, you got this. You don't have to worry about Satan's tactics. And hey, you're like patent in the kingdom. Mm. You know? <laughs> or it's like, nah, listen, walk with me. Is the, in the putting on of God's armor, I find myself most wrestling, uh, most wrestling most, okay? So children, which word should we remove from that sentence, okay? <laughs> right? Um, I, I just have to say, I was educated in California. <laughs> you know, the kings know, we're all from there, you know. Uh, but I find myself most wrestling with, and, and when I read that, it's what is it? Is it truth? Do I keep just like, you know, is it truth? That I wrestle with. Is it God's word? I just assume that I know it because I go to go to church on the weekends, right? Which is it? And how is the Lord's Prayer applied to my church family? So we, we've spoken a lot, and it wasn't in the vein of individuality. It was in an us. And so I want you to start thinking about that. What is what does this look like? 
in light of us and me as I'm getting up in the morning and you as you're getting up in the morning. And it's not just me and me and me, but it's what about the us under my roof? What about the us in our family here, the church family? Right? How does it get applied into that? Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.